to take just a moment to stop and consider the words to that song that we just sang. That song is a plea. That song is, in effect, a prayer. And Joel had absolutely no idea what I was preaching tonight, as far as I know. I didn't tell him. But yet, if you consider the words of that song and the lesson that you're about to hear tonight, I think that they go together very, very beautifully. The lesson tonight is entitled, Honor One Another. Honor One Another. It was a sermon that I had the privilege of first presenting in Claremore a couple of weeks ago on July the 31st on their Wednesday night summer series. It was an assigned topic. But again, it goes so beautifully with that song. As we begin tonight, I want us to understand what the biblical definition of honor is as we talk about honoring one another. The biblical definition of the New Testament Greek word that is translated honor, according to Vine's Expository Dictionary of Biblical Words, is primarily a valuing. Primarily a valuing. So, biblically speaking then, honor has to do with recognizing the true value, the true worth, or the true power or preciousness of someone or something, and then responding to them in a way that proves that you do. I'll say it one more time. Honor has to do with recognizing the true value, worth, power, or preciousness of someone or something, and then responding in a way that proves you truly understand their value. As we stop and begin to set the stage for this tonight, tragically, this idea of showing honor, this idea of exhibiting proper respect for or behaving properly towards that which God values is a concept that's pretty much lost on our society today. First of all, the fact that, in general, people have pretty much lost all respect for God, for his word, for his son, for the worship that he wants, that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. I don't have to cite a lot of references or bring up a lot of examples. Everybody pretty much understands that people in general have lost almost all respect or honor for God. They do not honor him, his word, or his authority. That goes without saying. But I want you to consider for just a moment how much sweeter life would be if they did. I want you to think about life in a world where everybody honored God, his word, and his authority. Just try to think about this. Try to imagine this. There would be no more stories on the evening news about mass shootings anywhere. Because people would honor, respect, and value the sanctity of human life. There would be no more abused or aborted or abandoned children ever, ever, for the same reason. There'd be no broken homes, there'd be no broken lives, there'd be no more broken marriages anywhere because people would honor and respect and value one another more as well as the vows that they made. It would be a world with no wars, no suicide, no drug abuse, no gender confusion because people would honor and respect and value others as well as themselves in the way that God 
wants them to. Wouldn't that be an incredible world? Sounds almost like heaven, doesn't it? There would be no man-made denominations. There'd be no feudal man-made doctrines or religions because, again, people would honor, respect, and value God and his word. What a world that would be. That's not the world we live in. People have lost that honor. Secondly, the fact that not only do people not honor God, but the fact that children no longer honor or respect their parents or those older, wiser, and more mature, more life experienced than themselves is all over the place. It's everywhere. It's promoted all over the place. If you sit and you watch any TV at all, look at these commercials. What do you see in almost every commercial? It's got kids and parents. The parents are foolish, and the 10-year-old knows more than mom and dad ever knew. How many times have you seen a commercial on TV? This is not your father's car. Well, you know what? My dad's car was pretty cool. <laughs> Think about it. Everywhere you see it, the 12-year-old is smarter than mom and dad who have some life experience. There's no honor or respect for parents anymore. Have you seen the, I think it's in a car insurance or some insurance commercial, when we moved into this neighborhood, we began to become our parents. Like it was the worst thing in the world, right? Thirdly, honor and respect for those in authority is as extinct as dinosaurs in the Dakotas. Now, as you start to think about that phrase, let me tell you, we've lived in the Dakotas, one of them. And they have some dinosaur bones they found there, but they are relics of a bygone age. And unfortunately, so is honor and respect for those in authority in many places, simply relics of a bygone age. You know, you drive down the highway and you're sitting there and you get your cruise on the speed limit. You see these people go rushing by you both sides if there's three lanes, they're looking at you like you're the bad guy because you're obeying the law and they just, they're whizzing down the road and they top the hill. All of a sudden you see just red brake lights because there's a cruiser sitting in the middle of the highway. But boy, as soon as they're out of sight of him, they're off again. There's no respect. There's no respect in a lot of cases, the very ones who are supposed to enforce those laws. We are driving down the highway just this last week. Cruiser comes up behind us. I mean, we're, we're doing right up against the speed, 75 where we were between Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And here comes this cruiser. No lights, no siren. Here he comes. He went by us. He was a county, it was a county sheriff's car from a county that he wasn't even close to. But he just flying down the highway. Even those who enforce the laws Seldom respect the authority behind them. Watch whoever wins the championship in a professional league and see how many will respect the authority of the highest office in the United States. It's a world where honor has been lost. Fourthly, honor and respect for another person's opinions, possessions, or even their life itself are again relics of a bygone age. Watch the evening news. In fact, we live in a world today where, fifthly, most people have lost respect for themselves. If not, they would not show up dressed in public the way they do. I'll leave that to just kind of sit there. It is indisputable that that's the world in which we now live, a world without a lot of honor. Nor should it therefore come as any surprise to us, because we, we, we live in the world, but we're not of it. 
But we have to live in the world, whether we're in school, and I, and I appreciated Kirk's prayer, whether it's in the school system or it's at work or wherever we happen to be, we have to live in the world. When we're not, when we're not here enjoying worship and one another, we have to live in the world. So it's not surprising that a lot of that honor kind of, a lot of that lack of honor kind of rides in on our shoulders sometimes. It can ride in on our shoulders. We can fail to honor those that God honors as well. Despite the fact that we are called to be different. We're called to be different in every way than the world. We're called to be salt in a world that's rotting. Matthew 5 and verse 13. We're called to be light in a world of darkness. Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16. We're called to be holy in a world of unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 6 14 through 7 verse 1. And we are called to be strangers and aliens in a world of sin dishonor, and disrespect for others. 1 Peter 2, 9 and following. Honor. God's people have always been called by God to honor others. We have been called as God's people, demanded by God that we honor not only him, but also those in authority, those with seniority, one another, and indeed all people. We see many scriptures. Let me read you three. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Romans 13 and verse 7, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And finally, 1 Peter 2.17, remember what it says? Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Now I want you to remember our definition of what honor is. One more time. Honor has to do with recognizing the true value, the true worth, the true power or preciousness of someone or something and then responding in a way that proves that we do. Keep that biblical definition in mind tonight. Let us notice from the scripture how God's people have always been called to have honor for others who are also created in God's image. I want you to consider this. God knew from the very beginning that what determines whether a society learns or loses their ability to honor others all begins in the home. God knew that what determines whether a society learns or loses their ability to truly honor begins in the home. Consider this. In both deliverances of the Ten Commandments, both times that God delivered the Ten Commandments, he stressed that amongst his people, their children must honor their parents. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16. So serious is this situation and this instruction that it doesn't stop there. Moses goes on to further command in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 17 that he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death, adding in Leviticus 20 and verse 9 that he has cursed his father or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. Do you think God's pretty serious about this? God's life and death serious about this. If you are ages 8 to 18, I was going to ask you to stand, but I won't. 
please listen really close. If you are between the ages of 8 and 18, the greatest gift that your parents can give you, the absolute greatest gift in all the universe that your parents can give you, is not a new vehicle. It's not even a full ride to college. It's not the family business. It's not a mega million dollar inheritance. That is not the greatest gift your parents can give you. The greatest single gift your parents can give you is a Christian upbringing. There's nothing greater they can do for you. If your parents are seeking to give you a Christian upbringing to, to get you to understand who God is, to get you to fall in love with God like they have, they have given you the most priceless gift they can possibly leave for you when they leave this earth. And you need to properly honor them by respecting and responding with love and obedience as their gift deserves. Remember, honor has to do with recognizing the true value, worth, power, or preciousness of someone or something, and then responding in a way that proves you do. I've often told teens, and I've said it even from this pulpit, and you'll probably hear it again. Young people, if you want mom and dad to listen to you, listen to them. If you want them to trust you, trust them. If you want them to respect you, respect them. The contents of those verses that I've pointed out thus far in the Old Testament are certainly echoed in the New Testament. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, everybody, please. In Ephesians chapter 6, we see this teaching, this instruction that is so important. It wasn't just important in Deuteronomy and Exodus and Leviticus. It's important throughout the ages, all times, no matter what world and culture you live in. We see it reflected in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now again, that doesn't mean your parents go out and tell you to do something that is completely against the church, completely against the, the, the word of God, I should say, or completely against what you, you learn, the truth you learn in church or anything like that. That's not what it's talking about. It says, children, obey your parents. Don't miss those next few words, in the Lord. In the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. You want to live a good life? Your parents want you to have the best possible life you can have. And so they're going to do everything in their power to give you that life. And if what they're doing is drawing you nearer to God, they are doing everything and then some. Now, granted, it may not be this way in the world, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. It may not be that everybody else does, but we're not talking about everybody else. We're talking about the way of the Lord, not the way of the world. Additionally, in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19 and verse 32 says, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. Too many times today, we take those who are silver-haired, those who have lived for 40, 50, 60, 70 years, we say, oh, they don't know anything. They've lived many decades, and they've learned a lot through life. And God says you need to respect that. In fact, in the New Testament again, if we turn to Titus chapter 2, 
Look at the first few verses there. Look at me in Titus, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Look what it says. Paul says to Titus, Titus 2.1, As for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. What he's going to tell you right now is proper for sound doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. The one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say to you. The idea here is, is that older folks are to be listened to for what they've learned about the Lord and to pass on. And so we should respect those silver-haired saints, as it were. Personally, I believe that one of the reasons that God stressed so early on that we must honor and respect our earthly parents, and particularly godly earthly fathers, at such an early age, and it's so early on as he did in the scripture, listen, is because if we grow up learning to respect our godly earthly parents and our godly earthly father in particular, then it will translate into us being able to better be obedient to our heavenly father. We get pictures of who God the father is by our godly earthly fathers. And so again, within that experience and framework, we learn how best to honor, respect, and obey our Heavenly Father so we can be with Him forever. The Bible bears this out. It compares what we learn from our earthly fathers and how that translates into being better, uh, into being more respectful and honorable to our Heavenly Father. It does this particularly one passage in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. Look at the comparison. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. It says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Just waiting for the Bibles. Love it. Turn the pages. Hebrews 12, 5. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? If you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. We honored them, as it were. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they, that is our earthly fathers, indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. No dad is perfect. No earthly dad is perfect. I've made my mistakes, and I'm sure every dad in here would say, yeah, you know what, I've made mine too. We're all human. They chastened us as seemed best to them. But God does it for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be a partaker of God's holiness? And sometimes he's got to correct you because you're going to make a mistake and you're going to get on the wrong road. And God, he's got to chasten you and bring you back. He for our profit, 
that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. <laughs> Nobody likes to be corrected. It's not a pleasant thing, especially if you've really, you know, done a big bad, okay? Nobody likes that. None of it seems joyful at the time, but listen, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. But again, the main point of this whole text for me in, in tonight's lesson is we learn from our godly earthly fathers how they love us and sometimes have to correct us and how we need to respect and honor them. And that translates into having more respect and honor for our heavenly father as we come to know him as young adults and adults. Another passage that shows this correlation, one verse, Malachi 1.6, says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I... If then I am the Father, where is my honor? And again, you just see that correlation. Now conversely, we see the total disrespect, the lack of honor. Let me start that over. Conversely, we see how a total disrespect or lack of honor, a lack of recognizing the true worth or value of our God-fearing earthly parents, translates into the same terrible situation when we don't honor God as we should. Turn to me in your Bibles to Matthew 15. This isn't usually how we use this verse, but I want you to see it. I want you to see the correlation here. Matthew chapter 15. Look at verses 3 through 9. And again, I know we often use this for a totally different reason, but just look at the, look at the correlation. In Matthew 15, verse 3 through verse 9, he answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, that he need not honor his father or mother, thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Watch this. Remember, we're talking about honoring one another. And what's he telling these people? Listen. He's saying to them, you know that God wants you to honor your earthly mother and father, but you found a loophole. You've created this way around it. You don't respect your parents the way you ought to. And guess what? Because they didn't honor their parents the way they should have, guess how much honor they had for their heavenly father as a result? Look at the next few verses. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. They didn't honor their earthly parents like they should have. They did not value them. That's what honor means, to value somebody and then respond to them in a way that shows that you truly do. They didn't do this to their earthly parents, so guess what? They didn't know how to do it to their heavenly father either. They didn't honor him as they ought to have either. And it's again, as I say, I believe that's why God put it in the Bible so early. But here's the flip side of that. Once we do learn to truly and properly honor and respect our earthly Christian parents in the Lord, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, and hence we also learn, therefore, how to respect and honor our Heavenly Father for everything He has done for us, then we will prove it in our lives. You know how we prove it in our lives? By honoring, seeing the value in those people that God sees value in. 
when we honor others as God would have us to do when we recognize their preciousness, when we recognize their worth, when we recognize their value. We will do that and we will show the proper honor to all people. Once we have learned to honor God, we will honor what he honors. For example, for you note takers, get ready. <laughs> for example, it doesn't matter how the world around us chooses to worship, we will honor God. We will honor only him with the spirit and truth worship done in complete compliance with only his commandments. Matthew 15, 1 through 9, Mark 7, 5 through 13. Once we've learned how to honor our earthly parents in the Lord, and that translates into honoring God, and therefore we will place value on those things and those people that God does, we will additionally, no matter what the unsaved world does around us, we will honor the laws of the land and those who enforce them because we recognize why God appointed them in the first place, Romans 13, 1 through 7, Titus 3 and verse 1, 1 Peter 2, 11 through 17. We will also honor, respect, and obey with sincerity those whom God has given us to be our earthly bosses. Young people, when you get a job, if you need to work as unto the Lord, and we've talked about this before, 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2, Ephesians 6, 5 through 8, Colossians 3, 22 through 24. We need to respect and honor those who are our earthly bosses. No matter what anybody else in the workplace does, and no matter how harsh those bosses may be, Second, uh, 1 Peter 2, 18 through 23. We honor God. We value him. We will value those people that God places a high value on as well. And one of those, we will honor, respect, and recognize how infinitely priceless and precious in the eyes of God our godly spouses are. And we will respond appropriately by putting our spouses far above ourselves and everybody else in all things. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, Ephesians 5, 22 and 3. If you are married to a godly spouse, you have a gift of infinite worth. You have a gift from God that is priceless. God values and honors that Christian woman or that Christian man that you are married to. Their worth to God is far above rubies, far above anything this earth can give you. And if we honor God, we will honor them the same way. If we honor God properly, we will also honor those whom he honors, such as any of the hardworking widows and deserving elders among us, and we will respond appropriately as scripture demands. 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Hebrews 13, 17. And finally, and all of these verses, or a lot of them, are connected to the word honor. Finally, when we honor God, we'll value those whom he values in the idea that 
we will understand the preciousness in God's eyes of the older men and women in the church as well as the younger and we will treat them with all purity and sanctification 1 Timothy 5 1 and 2 1 Thessalonians 4 1 through 7 now granted we didn't have time to read all of those but there is one group I want to mention a little more at length in the church that we need to honor and always be aware of we need to recognize their true value and worth in the eyes of God because sometimes we fail to do that I think it's easy to do. It's easy to miss it. It's easy to mess it up. Turn to me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll explain who they are. Remember, the topic was honor one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Recognizing the true value, worth, and preciousness in God's sight of someone and then responding to them properly. In 1 Corinthians 12, church of Corinth is in chaos. They're fighting over everything. They can't even get communion right. And so as we begin 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they're fighting over who's got the greatest gift and they're trying to lord it over each other and tell how they're better than the person beside them. And they're going through all of this, all of this, this fighting and this struggle and there's a mess here. Paul's trying to make a point to our brethren. And look at, look at what he says beginning at verse 20. He's talking about the congregation there, the church. We're pretty familiar with this passage as well. He illustrates the church as being a body. But watch this. He says in verse 20, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If you ever in school, and you like, use like me, I was the very unathletic, little, pudgy kid that nobody wanted on their team, right? I was kind of that kid on the team. You know, when teams were selected, I was the last one, and, and both of the captains, if I was the last one left, both of the captains tried to look the other way because neither one wanted me on their team. That's, that's kind of, you know, the kid I was. Now, what this passage says to me when it comes, and our word honor here is, is throughout verses 20 through 26, this says to me is it's not that way in the Lord's church. It cannot be that way in the Lord's church. It can't be. It cannot be. Every last member of the congregation is just as valuable as any other member. Do you see that? Sometimes if somebody isn't up front all the time or they're not involved in every ministry of the church or they're not outspoken or, or they're not real visible, they can get overlooked and they can slip through the cracks. 
This passage says, no, brethren, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We are to honor. We are to value. Remember, our definition of honor is to value somebody the way God does. Does God value every saint in the church? Absolutely. Even if they don't teach? Uh-huh. Even if they don't do this or that, God values every member. And I'm not saying we don't need teachers. I know we do. It's just the first thing that came to mind. Don't get me wrong, okay? But when somebody's not real active or involved, and, and maybe they're a shy person, or, or, or maybe they have ghosts in their past or troubles that they're dealing with, and they, they, just can't, they just can't get out there, sometimes we can lose sight of them. We can overlook them. But God says, you've got to honor all the members the same. We're all the same. If any member suffers, we all suffer with them. If any member rejoices, we should rejoice with them. And he says, these parts that are maybe a little less visible, a little less presentable, deserve greater honor. We've got to go out of our way to make sure that they understand that they are just as important as every other member of the church. That's what it means to honor, to value one another, to, to value every member of the church the way God does. We're all on the same team. We're all saved by grace, and each and every one of us is essential to the church's success. You got a chain it'll pull a bulldozer it's got a thousand links in it how many links have to break for the chain to be useless well if they're far enough apart listen he talks about our unseemly members here and, and you can put on that whatever meaning you want but listen a person can have the most beautiful hair let's talk about a physical body seeing how that's kind of what he's doing a person can have the most beautiful hair, the most beautiful eyes. They can have the brightest smile in the entire church, but you know what? They still got an ugly liver. Don't they? Livers are ugly, okay? Just, I know beauty's in the eyes of the beholder, but livers are ugly. But I'll tell you what, if somebody says, you've either got to give up that beautiful hair or you've got to give up your liver. You know what I'm going to live without, don't you? The hair's going. I don't care how ugly that liver is, it's staying. And again, my point is, maybe somebody's not that involved. I'm not saying anybody's ugly. That's not my point. But, but I can't see your liver. I can't see mine. I can see my hair, and, and, and I can see your eyes, and, and I can see. And you know, some people in the church are just visible, but there's some that just... just they just, they don't stand out maybe to, the, to everybody, and, and we can't lose those people. We can't let them slip through the cracks. That's all I'm saying. God says honor, that is value, every soul, the way that he does. Recognize their true worth, and I've, I know I've used this before, but I can't help but think, and I won't turn to the passage, but I can't help but think of blind Bartimaeus, Jesus on the way into Jerusalem to die on the cross, and he's got this whole procession, and I can't get over the fact that Jesus stopped for a blind beggar. Isn't that incredible? You know why? Because he saw the true value of one soul. Bartimaeus' soul, was Bartimaeus' soul as valuable as the Apostle Peter's? Every bit. Because a soul is priceless. And so as he saw Bartimaeus, he didn't see somebody that was that was useless to him. He didn't see somebody that was, that was less than anybody else. He saw somebody who had a soul, and his soul was priceless. He saw the value in that person. And stop and think about it. Whether we're talking about the Samaritan adulteress at the well, the woman caught in the act of adultery, 
the 10 lepers that nobody else took the time or interest in that they needed, or any of the other forgotten and neglected souls that we see in the, in the New Testament, every one of them was important to Jesus. He'd soon die for all of them. He died for Bartimaeus, right? He died for you and me too, didn't he? Yep. And recognizing and responding, when we see somebody's soul and we see somebody, maybe that person again in the church that's not real loud or boisterous or involved and, and we see them, we gotta realize that they are just as valuable as any other person in the church. We can't lose sight of them. We need to honor them. And when we respond to them appropriately in all that we are and say and do, that's what it means to honor one another. Go home tonight and read Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, and it talks about truly honoring one another. And here's the thing. When we finally learn to put the same value on everybody else that God does, no matter how they might think or how they might look or how they might walk or how they might talk, or how they might fall short, or how they might even test or try our personal patience at times. When we learn to value them the way God values them and then respond appropriately, it'll make changes within them as human beings as well as changes within us in our Christian growth and walk that we can't begin to imagine. Heard a story once about a very well-dressed congregation, and I don't know, probably one of those preacher stories, but work with me here and then we'll close. Heard a story once about a very well-dressed congregation. They were all together one Sunday morning, and the, the auditorium was full, and somebody came in off the street, had long, dirty hair, and a pair of shorts and sandals on, and looked around for a minute, there was no seat, so this young person comes down, and few pews back from the pulpit, sit down, cross his leg Indian style on the floor. That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? I'm not looking for answers. And everybody was hushed. One of the best dressed elders in the church, with his tie and his vest and his suit coat on, old man that walked slowly down the middle aisle, got up, walked slowly down the middle aisle, and sat down beside of the young man in the aisle. You know what that is? Honor one another. See the value in every soul, particularly in the church. And when we do that, Proverbs 15, 33 tells us the fear of the Lord is instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. It will make changes in us. We live in a world that has lost its ability to honor, to truly value others the way God wants us to. Let us, as individuals, not let the world infect us to the point that we forget that God tells us to honor all people and to honor him as our king. Honor one another. See the value in every soul, especially amongst your brethren. Tonight, if you are not a member of the Lord's Church and you know that it is time to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, we'd love to have another new brother or sister in Christ tonight. If you'd like a Bible study because you're not quite sure, we'd be glad to help you with one of those. Or if you need the prayers of the church for anything, please make your way right now. We're going to stand and sing a song.
and invite you down. Please come.